0: Fading Memories is sponsored by I'm Up. I'm Up is an app that gives you independence, security, and peace of mind. Find it in your favorite app store and use invite code 006 when you sign up. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Before we get into today's helpful episode, I have a little favor to ask you you make sure to go on apple podcasts and rate and review fading memories this is the best way for new people to find the show and i can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know i exist and also pop over to the website fadingmemoriespodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter Now that I'm into year two, I've got some exciting things coming out that I would like to share with you. And I don't always have to be yakking in your ear to do that. So if you do those two things, I'd really love it. Now, on to today's show. With me today is Elaine Pereira. She is an Alzheimer's daughter and an occupational therapist. She's also an author of the book, I Will Never Forget. She has... So she did take care of her mom for many years, and she has a theory that our loved ones do not forget us. They forget the language, or they lose the language skills to communicate the relationship. But first, I'd like to introduce Elaine and have her tell us about herself
1: and her mom. Thanks. Hi. Hi. So Elaine Pereira occupational therapist my um, most of my professional career was with pediatrics with kids in the school district and majority of those kids had neurological or, or brain damage issues as opposed to let's say a therapist who works with um, burns or blind or orthopedics so that's where most of my experience came from my mom was just An amazing woman. She got her degree from Purdue University at age 21 in the shadows of World War II in, of all things, chemistry. Wow. Yes. She taught. um, She worked at Upjohn Company for a while in Kalamazoo and then um, started her family. And when she did go back to work, she went into math and got her uh, educational masters. So she taught high school math, junior high math, that kind of thing. When her dementia took hold, it had followed four years of the most catastrophic events one can go through. She lost her daughter-in-law to brain cancer, She lost her husband, my dad, to complications from a stroke. And she lost my brother, her son, to esophageal cancer. She had also lost another son, my brother David, whom I'd never met in a catastrophic car accident before I was born.
0: My goodness.
1: So this woman, yes, she had been through a lot. And I think after all of these passings in short successions, I went into protect my mother at all costs mode. And only in retrospect do I realize now that some of that was also ignoring information shared with me by people who saw what I couldn't. When I visited my mom, we lived two hours apart, I showed up in the role of the daughter. And I left my hat as a therapist and especially a strong background in neurology behind. And it's not uncommon. It's simply that it surprised me how long it took for me to finally listen to the concerns others shared and to see that compromised woman that she had become.
0: I think that's very common. I've talked to lots of people and it seems like noticing what's going on, realizing what's going on, takes a lot longer than we would assume.
1: Yes. And Alzheimer's is particularly the case. If you're involved in, let's say, a car accident, it's very obvious that you have internal injuries a broken leg or a head injury. It's, it's, it's right there. You're in the, it's in your face. There's no denying it. But with Alzheimer's, as I'm sure you know and listeners too, those very first examples of odd behaviors, I like to call them goofy. <laughs> I um, always called them daffy moments. Yes, exactly. My mother referred to herself sometimes as adult. So she knew early on that there were things that were amiss, but they were inconsistent. They, you could take them out of context. You, you could rationalize a, a, a reason that they were happening um, until they build up to the point where you you couldn't. But it takes a long time before that's really clear that you're dealing with something of great concern, and it's almost always in-your-face safety issues that help you to see the proverbial light. And that's exactly what happened in my case, too.
0: So there's an incident with a drapery rod that's hinted. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That sounds like it'll
0: be a good story. So tell me about the drapery rod incident.
1: Okay. So my mother was deteriorating steadily and I was still seeing this beautiful glass half full and not a compromise, slightly half empty in, she had lived in her senior apartment setting. My dad was already gone for, um, I think 10, 11 years and she was eligible to have her room repainted at the expense of the senior complex and my mother became adamant a word i would never have used to describe her until the last few years that it was going to be repainted she picks out it was a disaster (laughs) as far as her struggling with people um, packing her things and moving them out for safety and all this but eventually The room was done. I come over to visit. For a few seconds, she's absolutely giddy that she has what, in my opinion, is the most hideous shade of (laughs) pepto pink and mint green I had ever seen. It was horrible. But she loved it. And then, just like a light switch, it was over. And literally, in milliseconds, she turns hostile and angry, and she looks at me and she said, but... The custodian stole my drapes. And I'm kind of like, what drapes? She said she had. She got very sinister, very hissy, very angry. The custodian stole her Travers drapes, and she wanted them back. So I thought for a moment, still not quite on board with where this all was coming from. My mother didn't have any Travers drapes in this apartment. So I meant well. But it was a train wreck, and I thought if I could convince her that she never had Traverse Drapes, that she might feel calmer, (laughs) that no one had stolen something that didn't even exist. And I tried to explain that, and then she bursts into tears, shaking hysterically, crying so hard. I just had to wait. I didn't really understand what was going on. Put my hands on her shoulders, and when she finally calmed down, She looked right at me and she said, why don't you believe me? Mm. And I cannot tell you why those words at that moment triggered my epiphany. But all of a sudden, I realized that the Traverse Drapes she was referring to was the house that I grew up in. And my mother had made virtually every pair of Travers drapes there was. She had drifted back at least six plus years and was living in that element. And I, then I knew I, just what to do. I could keep the daughter hat of concern and the therapist hat of understanding and realizing and accepting how unsafe and how compromised she was and make a plan to move her closer to me.
0: Which is most people end up doing that stuff in a panic, in an emergency situation, because for whatever reason, we just don't we either don't want to see the decline. That's probably part of it. We don't see it, you know, like you said, you have your concern hat on, but not your professional hat or your you're not looking through things through the reality right. glasses. You're looking through it right differently. Um, so I know from reading a little bit about the book, which your book is called, I will never forget. We should, we should mention that (laughs) before I forget again. And you talked about some intervention strategies and obviously trying to convince your mom that she hadn't had drapes in her apartment. That probably went badly.
1: It was horrible. Uh, But once I realized Mm -hmm that she could not follow that exchange, that she was actually living in the past and confusing present and past. Everything that everyone had ever warned me about, prepared me for, suddenly make perfect sense. Took me a while later when she wasn't wasn't right there to kind of process everything, but the point was I realized how unsafe she was. And the staff at her senior center um, had buffered greatly to protect her from herself and had tried to share these things with me, but they were inconsistent with the person that I knew. So on the drive back, I made this plan that um, she needed more supervision and I needed to find a place that was closer to me. That two hour drive is just horrible. Oh. Um, and it's just, it's just not realistic. So uh, it was a pretty ugly move, but I was as prepared as I could be to not argue with her, to not um, challenge her questioning me, try to be evasive without being disrespectful. So it's very tender ground, and it's exhausting. She flat out asked me at some point in this transition if I was moving her, and I was fearful of the truth. I, If I said yes, I could see her disintegrate and get hostile. But I also didn't want to just uproot her without some kind of respectful exchange. So I kind of said, well, how would you feel if we, if I did move you or if, if you did move closer to me? So I had learned how to keep the dialogue more positive. Give her a little bit of control and paint that picture that says, if that essentially says, if I move you, you'll be closer to me. If I move you, you and I can see each other more often. Something that she was still lucid enough to relate to in a positive way. And then kind of skirt through the actual move or not move question. But it's a delicate exchange and you always have to be on your toes. I've heard people when I do presentations comment that they struggle with being honest when their loved one with dementia says, is somebody else dead? Is my friend dead? Is my husband or wife dead? Is my son? Whatever the situation is, because at some point, if you answer honestly, they might disintegrate and re-grieve. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of things, that's the one thing about Alzheimer's is there are windows, they're so together, they're on point, they're lucid, they're following, and then it might last a minute, it might last an hour. You just never know, and they fade. So you always have to be careful with your replies, I think.
0: I agree. I haven't seen lucid from my mom for probably at least a year. A year, Mm -hmm. well, it'll be a year when people hear this. We were driving back from the memory doctor. I believe that's where we were coming from. And she does not acknowledge that her husband is Mm -hmm. gone. She's always Mm -hmm. asking, does my husband know where I am? And it's always snotty. It drives me bananas. Because her husband is also my dad. But I never get, you know, anything about your father... And we were driving, mm-hmm. and this is kind of typical of our family, is having very dramatic, important conversations in the car. I think that's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. But she, no, not We at all. were talking about inane things, and she just literally said, well, it was really sad when your dad died. And I was like, don't, don't be saying stuff like this while I'm driving because – she hadn't acknowledged yes. that for over a year. Yes. So we talked about it literally for about two minutes. And then she started talking about the sky. And that was yes, exactly. the last time that I think that she was lucid. So that was last year in 2018. She was, mm-hmm. she had a 30 second moment of lucidity. We, after my dad died, the we knew while he was on hospice that she was going to have to go in a memory care residence. Uh, She's 76. I'm 52. My sister's 47. So my sister still has school age kids. There's no way that any of us could just upend our lives to have her move in with us. And she needs stimulation that she wouldn't get living like with my husband and I and my dogs. So we told her, and this was not untrue, that she needed to relocate temporarily while we fixed the house. And there were, there were issues that needed to be dealt with. And she was leaning on her kitchen counter, looking out the picture window into the backyard. And she says, well, you're not going to be selling my house. I said, no, 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 we're not going to be selling your house. And she whipped her head over, looked at me and she goes, and you're not going to rent it out either. And I thought, Oh my God, it was a very horrible day. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Been there, been there, been there. I think
0: (laughs) one of the biggest problems and it goes back to you saying people, we don't, we don't either, we don't want to see, or we don't see, or for whatever reason, we don't acknowledge that they need a lot more help than they're getting or that we're able Mm -hmm. to give them until like my mom was, like I said, in two years, my dad's been gone. He died March 2nd, 2017. Mm -hmm. So in the slightly over two years, I know of about two lucid moments my mom has had. So you can tell from anybody that's been on this journey, which should be everybody that's listening, she Mm -hmm. probably should have, they both should have been in assisted living years before they, before he died and we moved her to the memory care. Because she had absolutely no understanding of what was going on. And it just, I mean, the day we put her in, the memory care residence was worse than the day my dad died hands down probably 500% worse. I mean, when he died, it was sad, but it was also a relief. He was no longer, he was diabetic and he had all kinds of health issues. So we didn't have that to worry about anymore, but she was not in a place to, to have any kind of say, like you were saying, like, my mom is now closer to me. She, instead of 40 minutes, she's 15 minutes. And I think that's just because it's twisty and, you know, it's like surface roads. It's not very far. I think it's literally 14 miles. She didn't get any say she didn't have any, like what you did with your mom. And I think, I know people struggle with moving their family members to a place where they have assistance and care and all the things they need until it's really late in the game. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's one thing I I try to advocate because, you know, a lot of people don't understand that some, at some point your family member will be more work emotionally and physically than you can do by yourself. And you're going to need help. And I, I'm very big on trying to, advocate for that because it's it's important um i have a neighbor who's got parkinson's he's probably at least 18 inches taller than his wife and i i worry all the time for them and you know but i don't know how to help without being a budinsky (laughs) so i just kind of i'm i'm here and i hope that they know i would i would be able to help them if they need it They have two daughters, so maybe maybe I just worry for nothing for them. So what intrigued me to talk to you was your theory that they don't actually forget us. They lose the language skills to have that conversation or that connection with the relationship. So I kind of wanted to go over that with you because I know that that's really painful for a lot of people. I, and I, and I, before we got going here, I told you I had a theory as to why I think my mom does not remember me. And I totally lost my train of thought, which I hate that when it happens. Um, my mom forgot me in stages. So it was, you know, you could kind of suspect it wasn't, I know some people who think, and maybe these people, fit more into your category where they all of a sudden they're looking across the table and they're like who are you and maybe that's that brain cell or cluster of cells or however it works up there (laughs) I'm an Mm -hmm. artist so I've always said and people have heard me say this a lot if I was half my age and and had twice the aptitude for science I would probably go into brain research because I think it's just absolutely Mm -hmm. fascinating it's it is yes it? but it is. i start i talked to a gentleman is another podcaster and he's also got his phd and um i call it brain stuff I've, I've seen the word but now i'm having a hard time pronouncing it and just three or four minutes of talking to him about inflammation and how that affects the brain and this that and the other thing i was like whoa <laughs> you gotta dumb this mm-hmm. down for me <laughs> um so tell me why or how you might differentiate between somebody like my mom, who I'm pretty sure does not remember. Well, I know she doesn't remember me because she tells people that I'm her good friend or I'm her sister, which that drives me bananas because I don't look anything like my aunt. So I know my mom's visual processing has deteriorated pretty, pretty significantly. So the fact that I don't look like my aunt is kind of irrelevant.
1: Okay. So let me pick it up. Um, okay. Wow. Let's take, let's take the comment that I get, which you just addressed. My mom doesn't remember me. Let's take that. The way that you would know that your mom remembers you is either to use your name or point to a picture of you versus someone else and be able to identify your picture as a, the daughter and not somebody else's picture as the daughter. So, and there are many other examples, but in, in the point is that it takes an element of communication, whether it's verbal, your name is fill in the blank, or it's a touch, which is nonverbal, one picture over another. And what I'm saying is that language is so neurologically complicated. Its acquisition in childhood development and its deterioration specifically in Alzheimer's and other types of dementias is so complicated. It's so intricate that your mother probably does know you. She will probably recognize every face that's relatively familiar consistently. Maybe not somebody from 15 years ago. But she is not going to be able to execute your name on command. She is not going to be able to point to you versus someone else and differentiate it. She isn't even going to be able to visually smile necessarily that would give you the validation that says she does know who you are hard as it is to accept it's less about looking like somebody else although that can be a factor as much as it is just being unable to retrieve this name this one word among all the gazillion words in the entire planet on command so My suggestion to families who get upset, like you, they're frustrated. My mother doesn't remember me, especially, I think, as kids of a mom versus, no disrespect to the dads, but a mom, that dynamic, if it's healthy, if it's been healthy, that one is so tender that to feel your mother doesn't know you only means she can't label your name she lacks the whole loop of smiling as you come into the room, which would be a form of nonverbal acknowledgement, etc. But she, theorists believe, and I agree, that inside, although they lack every single methodology of validation, they still know the people that are familiar to them. The problem is... There's no way for them to validate that. So let me take my mom's very, very last 10 days. You know, I'm not an expert on death and dying, but I know that it's very, very common. Even if you're passing away from something that is not Alzheimer's, it can be anything. It is extremely common at the very, very end for a, We'll take the parent-child dynamic, because that would be the most common, to make some hand squeeze or gesture or blink or something that is validating to the son or the daughter at that moment. But the person with Alzheimer's, they can't pull that piece anymore. So one mom was... 10 days from passing away my daughter and her then one-year-old daughter my granddaughter obviously my mother's great-granddaughter came for a visit now my mother was deaf from meniere's disease she had cochlear uh, implant and devices but she had long since using them I don't even know where they were um she was in her very advanced stages. She only lived another 10 days. She had no meaningful, expressive language. She didn't follow directions. When we went to visit her, she pulled on her earlobes and her hair, the collar of her shirt, her cuffs. There were all these apparently random movements on her part. Mumbling, nothing at all made any sense. But obviously, what is a 30-something-year-old granddaughter going to do but sit in a chair opposite my mom and talk about her granddaughter and what's going on? And they had lived in Germany and this sort of thing. All of a sudden, my mother drops her shoulders. She lifts her chin up just a little bit. She stares at my daughter and then drops her gaze intentionally, I think to look at the eyes of the great-granddaughter sitting in her lap and smiled. Smiling is, unfortunately, one of the very first things to fade in nonverbal communication in Alzheimer's. I had not seen it in months, and let alone any kind of verbal. Now, here's, here's where it gets to be this catch-22 sticky wicket. Can I... Promise? Can I? Am I 100% on board that my mother knew who her granddaughter was or great-granddaughter or me for that example? Of course not. Because the only way I would know is to be validated by language, pointing, um, some word. All of those methodologies, they're gone. There is nothing available to them to validate us. This was such a rare moment, but it is not uncommon in the very very end stages and unfortunately it rests upon us as the family member or caregiver to be able to take those moments that they come and extrapolate in a positive way because it doesn't do us any good to not do that um I I couldn't I, I if we when we ask our parent or our friend who's ever going through this to tell us our name we have set them up for failure a better approach I try to tell families is to think of it as an open book test so you go to visit your mom and you say hi mom it's Jen or Jennifer or David or whatever Um, I'm your son I'm your daughter and put in the name now you may not get a thing but you might. You'll, chances are there's a little possibility in these advanced stages that there might be some recognition. Because otherwise, you're making them work so hard. And I know it's difficult. People listening or hearing this going, you got to be kidding me. They don't need any language. They don't. Let me back up to early childhood. Gross motor a year. Most kids are a year old when they're running to the dismay of their mom. And Dad was trying to catch (laughs) up. Two years.
0: Yes, they're fast little buggers. Two
1: years old. Yes. They're into everything fine motor wise, minimum, feed themselves, make a mess, whatever. But language is not considered to be fully developed until age eight. Vocabulary expands beyond that indefinitely. But the fine art of true human reciprocal communication is not considered fully developed to age eight. Now, this is my theory, and I don't think I'm wrong. I just am not going to go through the research at my age to prove it. I think that the language deterioration and the fine motor and the gross motor decline in almost the same fashion and sequence due to Alzheimer's. The very first example that most people have that their family member has Alzheimer's or compromising dementia is something they say or some impairment of judgment. And it's almost always language. My mother's second known example, first one wasn't so much language. It was a unique, um, and if we have time, we'll, we'll talk about it, unique perceptual anomaly. But the second one was my mom frustrated at, her nephew, my cousins, because she was trying to find her own apartment inside his house when she went for a visit. That is a red flag warning that I totally missed. That it doesn't matter. It was after the, the death of the three, my sister-in-law, my my dad, and my and my brother. It doesn't matter what kind of grief you're going through. It doesn't matter how catastrophic it is or how painful or overwhelming or what it's from. You do not forget that the environment you're in is not your own home under any circumstances. And that is also a piece of language. Things are unfamiliar. Communication is a big package. So when my cousin said, When my mother said that she was looking for her apartment and my cousin comes back with, you don't live here, this is my house. I mean, of course. What would you say? The same thing I would say. We all miss that. It is absolutely a hallmark of Alzheimer's. But there wasn't another hallmark for another year. So this is now going back to how difficult it is to wrap your head around what's going on with your loved one, because these things are so insidious and incremental. It's not till later stages that it becomes more the norm than the exception.
0: Well, my grandmother also had, I believe she had Alzheimer's. I've gotten two armchair diagnoses from doctors. One that said, no, she probably didn't. Listeners will probably recall That my maternal grandmother had a brain aneurysm that leaked for three months. So, wherever the blood touches the brain, the brain is permanently damaged. Now, my mom's general physician said she wouldn't have further decline after the surgery to repair the aneurysm, that she would have basically, the way she was after the surgery, would have been her new normal. She ended up you know unable to feed herself bedridden the whole thing now my mom's neurologist the new neurologist that I've been dealing with said no she could have had decline now I'm assuming the neurologist knows more than the general physician but obviously neither of these professionals saw my grandmother so it's hard to know so I knew my grandmother was going through this memory loss about the same time that I was becoming concerned about my mom and I look back, we didn't have what I would, well, my mom, and this is a story, I I swear, I'm not getting Alzheimer's, but this is the story where I think it's, I know I tell the same story so often, I got to come up with a new one, but my parents and I had a business together and mom would take orders from clients and In the summer of 95, when she was 52 and a half, which is just slightly older than I am right now, so it's kind of scary, she would take orders and not write down due dates or pertinent information. Now, it's easy. She'd say, well, I had planned on doing that myself and got sidetracked and didn't do it. Well, you know, duh. We all do stuff like that. Super easy to dismiss. And the only reason that I look back on it and think that might have been the beginning is because those kinds of incidences started happening more often. It took two or three more years or four. There was, and it got to the point where I would, if I heard her, you know, chewing the fat with a client, which she loved to do, I would go out in the front and say, oh, hi, you know, so what are we doing for Elaine today? And I'd pick up the order and I'd kind of engage in the conversation so that it didn't look like, I was supervising her, but I obviously had my own work to do. We both couldn't lean on the counter and talk to the customer. Right. So that's not very productive. There was one day and it was probably early 2000, somewhere between 99 and 2001. I don't have a super, I don't have any kind of like reference or something. Yeah. I don't have any like, yeah, there's not a, like a visual or there's not like a memory reference that I just remember the incident where we had an employee, they would get all the work. We had a photography studio and they would print all the pictures and get everything all in the work order bags, but they wouldn't, you know, punch the wallets, cut the five by sevens apart. They would just leave it all stuck together, which was super frustrating. But now I look back on it and I think they did that. And it may have been subconscious because she would get sidetracked and not complete orders 100 percent which obviously is also easy to dismiss i mean i i'm also a photographer and i ordered an order for a client and it came back and i'm like what the hell this says three five by sevens i ordered one so it's easy to dismiss well this one particular day i was going through all the orders that needed to be packaged up mm-hmm. And then all the new ones, and I said, what are we doing with this order? And I held it up, and she looked at it, and she goes, well, that's not my handwriting. That's Melania's. And I said, "Uh, no, this is Melania's handwriting. They weren't even Mm -hmm. similar. I mean, just 100% not at all alike. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. I mean, I'd already suspected that she was going down that path, but and and I did have the example with my grandmother that – You know, and she looked at me and she goes, well, I don't want to end up like my mother. And she stomped off in a huff. And I remember thinking, well, murder is (laughs) illegal. I don't know. I don't know what you expect me to do. (laughs) And we never had conversations about it. That was the frustrating thing. My mom was very good at denial, dodge, bob, weave, ignore, obfuscate. I mean, she didn't actually get officially diagnosed until September of 2011, I thought she was officially diagnosed in August of 08 because she'd gone through all the testing to be a kidney donor for my dad and was rejected because of cognitive impairment. So three in a smidgen years later, she's officially diagnosed. And by then, I mean, it was, she was like mid stage easily. Mm-hmm. So it was frustrating. Now I, I did mention, cause I want to go back to the language skills. I did. I texted my sister yesterday Because I assumed that my mom doesn't really remember my sister. But for some reason, I kind of assumed that she remembers my niece. Now, my niece is 13. So I think the changes in my niece have been gradual enough that she hasn't totally changed physically as my mom has declined And I was a little surprised that my sister said, oh, no. And just until like the last week or two, she was using my sister's name. And my first reaction, of course, is like, oh, that figures. (laughs) Because there's always that sibling rivalry stuff. And then I thought, you know, she doesn't remember my daughter, who has changed a lot in the last, you know, she's gone from a teenager to an adult, and she's also gotten heavier, which is the theory that why I think my mother doesn't remember me is because for 20 plus years i was significantly overweight in the time frame it's only been uh six or seven years that i haven't been seriously obese my mom doesn't remember me because i don't look like who she thinks her daughter looks like that was a a light bulb moment yesterday because i thought, thought how does she remember my sister's name and everything. And my sister hasn't, other than, you know, slight aging. I mean, obviously we don't age physically dramatically in our thirties and forties, maybe fifties. I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully (laughs) I thought, how does she remember Jeanette's name and not mine? And she remembers Miranda, but she doesn't remember my daughter. I'm like, hello, my daughter's 27. My niece is 13. So she's had a lot more time with my daughter. And then I started thinking about visual clues And I thought, oh, that's why she doesn't remember me because I don't look like the person that she clearly remembers from 10 plus years ago when her mind was better. So I thought, oh, that's really interesting.
1: That is a possibility. Um, It has merit. I'm not rejecting it. I, I would add that I think as, and I get it, as caregivers and family members, we are getting way too hung up on names, recognition, whether they remember us or not. And I understand, I do, because like I said earlier, of course you want your mom to know where you are. Yeah, they they just, it's not there. It is possible that she sees a face, does not see a face in you up today that is what was part of her more lucid time eight to 10 years ago. It's not a bad theory. Can't really say one way or the other. One of the things I do want to point out is there are some red flag indicators of Alzheimer's and you touched on one when you said when you got the order back and you were supposed to order three but you ordered only one of picture or something and realized your mistake Someone with Alzheimer's will not, they will do exactly what your mother did, and that is deflect during that phase. They are just savvy enough to cover their tracks and can do it with um, they dodge questions. Um, you'll I'll say something like, What did you have for lunch? and the response will be, Oh, you know, the usual because. <laughs> They may not, and, and you can't ask them if they ate lunch because they'll tell you what they think you want to hear during yeah. that phase, which is that early kind of thing. So they are completely unreliable, but also sophisticated and savvy enough to pull the wool over your eyes and make you think they're okay. And it is so consistent among Alzheimer's journeys that this must be part of it too. There's also, um, it's not really language-based, but there's a element, my mother did, it's called hypervigilance. So during this early phase, when they know on some level that something's not right, my mom overcompensated by using like three different calendars. If I was sitting with her and I would say, okay, I'm going to come back, in two weeks. She'd get her purse calendar, the wall calendar, and the desk calendar. She'd bring them all out to me, and she would write on them May 20th, Elaine at one, each one of them. So she knew I didn't, I just I mean, I didn't really think of it as over the top, really. But in retrospect, that was part of that hypervigilance stage of extra caution it's also very time-consuming and it doesn't last it was very effective keep in mind if my mom had passed away within three to six months of that phase never would have chalked it up to alzheimer's so this is one of the things that there is these isolated incidents especially as family members today thinking back to our great aunt or our grandfather or stories. It's so hard to know what the facts actually are because people remember different things. And now we're looking at it for the disease. It really is. That's true.
0: My great grandmother, my maternal great grandmother also had no memory at the end of her life. So I'm very, very focused on the warning signs I mean you scared me there for a second with the whole warning sign with the forgetting to order the proper number of prints for my client, but I know why it I know why it happens because I did it in a hurry. And I didn't I didn't yes, double exactly. or triple check. Yes. It's you know, it's easy right. to do, unfortunately. So um it's interesting because I don't remember my mom going through that hyper vigilant state.
1: Not everybody does. I I just happen to remember it because there were, this, like I said, the staff people at her senior center were senior apartment complex were buffering for her. So they were appropriately concerned well ahead of me getting on board. And um, I, I knew that she was doing it and I thought it was very positive and productive, which it is but uh, it just you, it won't you can't hang there very long eventually it's going to fade into the next phase
0: she might have gone through that phase after she and my dad retired they retired in march of 2005 which was 14 years ago it's hard to believe wow <laughs> it doesn't feel like that long ago and she was bad enough that i was concerned that not having the daily regimen of you know getting up getting dressed and all that stuff to go to the studio and take care of the things that needed to be taken care of to run a business i mean obviously there was not more than just her and i was always there first and i was almost always there at the end with her she was really good at waiting to the end of the day to start things which drove me nuts because she was literally a mile away from her home i was 20 miles away so it was like hey can we, can we not start the program? Yeah. It's like, can we have worked on that at 11 o'clock instead of five o'clock? Cause I'd like to go home and feed my kid. Right. Um, but I also never felt comfortable leaving her alone. So maybe I was covering for her and didn't really realize it, but of course, if, if she was, she was good at faking it. I know in 2008, which maybe was why she was not, she actually had a forensic psychologist. I think that's what they're called. That told her she was fine, and she just, that's it, not doing any more tests, I'm done, and if I had been with her, I probably would have punched that guy straight in the face, because my daughter, did he
1: say that, does somebody know for sure that he said that, or is he saying that, I
0: think my dad told me that, okay, also a little biased, true, well, he knew she had a problem, okay, Okay. Um, Cause he had approached her general physician with his concerns. I think he called and then he sent a letter and then he went down there and they blew him off, mm-hmm. which I understand privacy laws and all that. But when a spouse of, I mean, they were married for 55 years. So let's say 40 plus years at that time comes to you with a concern. It's not appropriate to blow them off. And I don't think that would happen as much now because there's much more understanding of the issue Mm-hmm. Although I have heard stories that that's still does happen, Oh,
1: yeah, it's a sticky wicket, yeah, it's
0: yeah, because you want to respect somebody's privacy, but when they're good at deflecting per- mm-hmm. yeah, when pretending they don't have a problem, it's it's a challenge. But, yeah, she was diagnosed three years later, and I read the diagnosis, and it was significant, and she was sixty nine. So she has younger onset Alzheimer's which may have been triggered. She was in a very serious car accident in December of 91. And if you go back, I, you know, looking back with, you know, hindsight's 2020, I think she's maybe might've started showing signs in the summer of 95. So that was like four and a half years later. And.
1: I wanted to comment on that. And then your comment, was it your grandmother that had the brain? Yeah. My maternal
0: grandmother had a brain aneurysm that leaked for three months,
1: let's take those two situations: your mom's car accident, and then this. And or, or to anyone listening whose family members in had a brain injury of some type, suspected or whatever. Let's take all that. We don't know for sure that Alzheimer's itself, specifically Alzheimer's, has a link to trauma but other kinds of dementias do and it's very it's almost indistinguishable to rule in or rule out alzheimer's over dementia sometimes dementia as a more general term sometimes even the best of tests are inconclusive and the only true and and precise way to this day, unfortunately, is an autopsy. Now, my mother was not believed to have Alzheimer's until we kind of got to the end and did a retrospect. So as she, her her trip, her journey was different from what I had understood the majority to kind of fit. But in retrospect, Her very, very first incident of Alzheimer's is what is called holistic visual facial perception. A lot of words. Bottom line is in very, very early stages of Alzheimer's, it is possible. And my mother exhibited it to have a brief moment. It could be five minutes or 10 or an hour or less, but it's, in this in the sphere of in the sphere of life it's very short where they do not distinguish subtle changes in their own immediate families faces here's the story my brother at christmas of 2002 looked just like he always had he was diagnosed with esophageal cancer he had it then but it didn't have any specific body changes. And I didn't know. It wasn't until April that he found out and let me know. It was a horrible time. And it was May before my brother in Atlanta could get to Kalamazoo, Michigan to talk to my parents. And I came over to buffer what was going to be a horrific dialogue. My brother's plane was delayed, but I got to the end to the elevator to meet him as he came off. I just happened to have my back to the elevator as he stepped off, and his always effervescent, booming voice said, Hi, Lane, give me a hug. But as I turned, I knew I was just in total, unequivocal shock because my brother had deteriorated so much in four months, I didn't recognize him. He was completely bald. He had translucent, ashen, white skin. He was already bloated, and he had that look like he was going to die in the next five minutes. We are walking from the elevator to my mom's apartment, and I cannot fathom how she, what she's going to do. I'm like, I'm as prepared as I can be for the fallout. My dad's not going to notice it. If we get a chance, I'll circle back to... Dementias from other causes because he hadn't had had stroke. He's not going to get it, but my mom is. She got up off the couch, jumped over, gave him a big hug, and said, "Wow, Jerry, I'm sorry you got your plane was late. Great to see you." <laughs> and I just exactly I caught your facial expression. I'm <laughs> like, "You have got to be kidding me!" Like oh thank God! It looks like death warmed over, and you don't say anything. I never understood and it's not that element is in the book but the understanding of it isn't until I could find the research to support this increments where that loop, looking at a face that's familiar and a face that's not in the early stages of Alzheimer's not everyone will exhibit it or if they do it can't be documented but there it is. That was her actual very first example it's not even really in the book because I didn't couldn't put the research behind it until about four years ago. Interesting. Yeah. There are some hallmarks to Alzheimer's, and maybe this will help listeners. Think about how much buffering and protecting you're really doing. If you take a step back and you watch, is your mom or dad or or significant other really – Making good judgment decisions for themselves without you interfering, without you critiquing it. I jumped in and sort of, so when my mom and I go to lunch, we always went to the same place and she didn't drive. So I missed the fact that she was not safe driving and was not able, she was, she finally did get lost going to the dentist that was a mile away and ended up two counties over. Oh. So it isn't so much like this is why I want your comment about the pictures is why I keep circling back to that. If your mother had done it, she would not have probably processed that she made a mistake. Whereas you did. There's a difference between losing your car keys for the umpteenth time <laughs> and not knowing what they're for. Mm-hmm. Missing the environment you're in and becoming easily disoriented in familiar environments because parts of that are no longer being processed as routine and familiar. So maybe some of these things will help in that early phase.
0: Yeah, my mom, let's see, last, so July of 2018, I took her and her friend to the city park to watch kids play in the splash zone. I, I make the joke that one day one of the caregivers in the residence she lives in said, Oh, what are you guys gonna do today? And I'm like, Oh, we're gonna go look for some kids to watch. And I realized how really horrible that sounded. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh well. man, they understand. But yeah. once it came out of my mouth, I thought, yikes, there's a lot of people that'd be like freaked out at the moment. <laughs> Definitely. Um we sat there and it was hot. And California is dry heat, and it was like 105 degrees. And I thought, are these two ladies ever going to be done watching these kids? Because I think I'm going to die a heat stroke out here. And I was trying to figure out a way of encouraging them that it was time to go without telling them that it was time to go, because my mom gets very touchy. if she thi- I mean, you can do the most polite thing, like hold her jacket up. so she can put it on and like I did this not too long ago and she looks at me and she goes yes boss just snotty as can be and I'm like oh my god my mother called me
1: bossy too
0: (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez. but I was literally I was just I'm like here and I'm just holding up her jacket like you know my husband would do you know like anybody would do make it easier to get into your coat because they can be a little challenging sometimes and so I never really understood why she got so touchy about that but We were sitting there, and, you know, I'm trying not to pass out from the heat. (laughs) And all of a sudden, my mom's looking around going, I don't think I know where my room is. And we're in the city park. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look anything like where she lives. I thought, oh, well, that's a clue. So that was July 2018. She was here at my home for Thanksgiving 2018, and everything was going fine. There was 20 people here, so it was a little overstimulating, but not too, too bad. And I was in one part of the house, and I must have had my radar, you know, tuned up high, because I heard her from a couple rooms away go, I don't think I know where my room was. And I'm like, that's the signal. Time to get in the car and take her back. <laughs> it was like, And it's like, we've been in this house almost 12 years, just a couple months shy of 12 years. So it's not an unfamiliar house to her. But I get interesting comments there one time when my dad was on hospice she asked me if I liked my house and and I said well yeah of course and she said, well don't you think you should pay my grandparents for it I thought on top of the bank no (laughs) think
1: about your think about a thousand piece puzzle and when you are pre-Alzheimer's pre-dementia pre-whatever your thousand piece puzzle is complete but over time piece at a time Is removed. So if this helps the audience, think for a second what they are going through at any given moment, their entire persona and their entire view of the world, whether it's auditory, like language, visual, like is this my apartment or whatever, you know, the surroundings around them. Uh, w- the activity, the noise, whatever's going on is not comfortable. It has pieces of familiarity, but not enough to be reassuring. It can be threatening. And it's so hard to for, for us to be able to do that. But I think if we can and lower our expectations and just try to keep our dialogue positive and always non-confrontational, um, that can be kind of helpful. Like you go outside and it's a beautiful day and somebody says, oh, it's raining. The reply, they, they just, they don't have a word. The word didn't come. Plus self-correction is gone. So if they, they heard, heard as in their ears work, that they said raining when it's not, but processing that word versus any other is not, um, is not intact and they can't they won't self correct.
0: No they can't find the right word. They've used the right. wrong one because they, they either used can't say
1: weather adjective like they didn't say oh it's some um, oh it's elephants. <laughs> so that there's a weather adjective there or verb or whatever the case may be. Um, but there isn't a process that a processing of what that specific word means and the ability to hear it and go, no, that's not right, and then fix it. You. I want to circle back. You brought on early on, and I want to touch base, it's not just about language, but about um, the environment that someone with Alzheimer's is best suited for. I appreciate if families feel that the best thing is to provide care in that person's home or your own home. Um, I think you have to look at it very carefully. I'm an incredibly strong advocate of the assisted living or memory care type environment. My friend's mom just, just passed away. But years ago, in my friend's efforts to keep her mom safe at home, she bought new locks. And I said to Kathy, you know, Kathy, one of the hallmarks of Alzheimer's is the inability to learn something new. If you find you put these new locks on and your mother either locks herself out or can't lock lock it correctly to keep someone out, which is what you're trying to do, or new keys or any of that, then don't be surprised if you don't make any headway in this safety issue. Sure enough. So that's one of the things about leaving the stove on or a new microwave. Anything that's new, they will not... They may not be able to master in a way that provides them the safety that you're hoping for. The other part you have touched on it also is the routine. It just like with children growing up, where routine is so important, the expectations, so is it true as they decline. And the place where my mom was refused, and I was totally on board with my mother going to breakfast in her pajamas. <laughs> she had to get dressed they would help her do it now if she fought them which happened they would step away and come back in 30 seconds or five minutes I don't know what but eventually mom got dressed um, with help or supervision or whatever it took and keeping that routine is is pretty important I think the other part of it is the social engagement factor mm-hmm. They're the living at home or environment has innately a small cluster of people. The memory care assisted living environment has a lot more. It can be very positive. I appreciate that as they advance, the ability to form new relationships and all this kind of stuff just really isn't there. But there is always a social fluid engagement piece and the caregivers um, are sensitive to approaching
0: things calmly well my mom has done it took about two months to acclimate to the memory care which was much quicker than i expected the yeah. executive director said it'd probably take a month I, la- I literally laughed at his face i'm like she lived in her house two months shy of 47 years looking back wow. yeah so you can imagine the muscle memory that she used mm-hmm. just to function because Mm -hmm. you live in the house for 47 years and it's all robotic. Yeah. Yeah. You could get up and do everything blindfolded and not not trip over the dog. Exactly. So I was very skeptical that she would acclimate in any kind of reasonable time. And it was a very rough two months. Yep. Um, but in there, yeah. I mean, she would burst into tears and cry when I would show up Yep. and because she didn't remember anybody had been there I go on Mondays my sister goes over right. the weekend so it could easily have been less than 48 hours since she saw sure. one of the two daughters and my sister almost always brings my niece my nephew's on the autism spectrum and she brings him when she has to but I don't think she brings him as often as she brings my niece I don't know I don't give my sister the third degree about when so, and how often she goes like right, she does right. what she can do and that's fine yeah um But after two months, I showed up. She was following this woman down the hall who was, the woman was determined to use the phone. I always find that hysterical. There's so many of my mom's friends, ones that she actually engages with, that get hung up on, I got to make a phone call. I can't remember the phone number and nobody will bring me a phone book. (laughs) Old memory. Yeah. It's like phone books don't really exist. Yeah. Well, it does to them because that's where they're at. But she was following this gal and she saw me and she said, oh, oh, come with me. I have to help my friend. And when she said friend, I think physically and emotionally, I heard that word the same as people who hear, you just won the jumbo lotto and got a billion dollars. Because I almost burst into tears. I was like, oh my God, she finally did acclimate. And it really was only two months. Now she doesn't even remember her house. Right. Right. She, you know, makes comments about her room and it's which is interesting but she's at the stage where she has no clue what time it is what month it is what season it is and I had an interesting experience on Monday with her two two Mondays ago I got to take her out for a little walk in the a regional park and I couldn't get her to stop watching her feet the shadows confuse her and so she's gingerly stepping around all these shadows. I mean, it's sad, but it's funny. And I just stayed close, you know, and offered assistance. And I said, do you need a hand? And she goes, no, I have hands. And I thought, Oh, that's an interesting response. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, if you fall on your face, I'm going to be upset because you're not letting me assist you. And people are going to be mad because I let you fall. Your face. Like So that was, you know, almost two, two weeks ago. It was beautiful. This, this week, cold and it's raining so I thought I can't sit with her in the memory care residence because she asked me the same questions all the time and I'm going to get back to that in a second uh-huh. I took her to the library because the kids are on school break my husband's office is next to the library I said hey pop over there a bunch of kids yes there's a bunch of kids so we go she watches some twins running around and that was fine and then it kind of started emptying out so I thought, well we need to get her some new shoes, which is never fun because if she doesn't recognize them as something that she's had for 20 years, she'll give them away. So I got her shoes that were super similar to the ones that she was wearing and made the clerk take off the tags. And in the car, we switched the shoes so that she never sees the other ones again. It's like, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: hopefully, hopefully Mm -hmm. she won't throw them away or give them away. But as we were leaving the library, there were two women with like tall, skinny kind of carts with religious material on them. They were advocating for, I'm not sure which religion. And my mom goes over close to them and says something about, you have a nice looking child there. Now, one of the women was probably in her 40s. The other one looked to be about young 20s. Wow. And I thought, well, first, the, yeah, she was talking to the younger woman. And they're dressed extremely conservatively, especially for California. Um, They might've been Jehovah's witnesses. I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. And the poor woman looks at my mom like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. And I knew because mom had kids on the brain that she saw the cart with the religious materials. You know, they're like flyers. Mm -hmm. She saw the cart as a stroller and the woman next to the cart was probably about the age where, you know, a lot of young women start having kids. And fortunately, mom just kept wandering away. And I just turned. So I had my back to my mom and mouthed, slightly spoke the words that she had Alzheimer's because I thought, these poor women, they totally, they looked so surprised. They were like, they didn't know what hit them. And I thought, man, that's just really interesting that she like, had. she looked at that cart and it was probably four and a half or five feet tall because it was it was pretty tall and she thought it was a stroller like that's just that's just really interesting and it's one of the first times I've actually had to explain to somebody that she's spoken to Mm -hmm. that she has a you know her brain is diseased I try not to say it so that she can hear it and I think usually it's kind of obvious but she she worries me sometimes she loves little kids and she goes up to moms and oh you have such a good looking child or such a beautiful child. And I'm like, man, I hope they understand that she's not 100% quote normal. Because I know people get very sensitive, especially with young sure. babies in in strollers. I'm like, I really don't need them calling security on my poor mother.
1: <laughs> right, right. I know, yes. Yeah, you were talking about the the move. My, I had the same, I had been warned and it's true. It didn't matter whether I moved my mom across the hallway mm-hmm or to a different planet it was not going to go well and it didn't but about two months maybe two yeah about two months into the move I go to see her had the same feeling you did about friend she's with like 40 people um I mean they're all going somewhere together inside the complex and she's smiling and laughing she's got her cochlear implants in and I'm like oh my god thank you god she's happy she sees my face and that light switch goes on. She gets sinister and hostile and angry. She is so freaking ticked. I get up to her and she does this thing that she used to do when I was in trouble as a kid. I have a bone to pick with you. That was her thing when I was in trouble.
0: My mom says the same thing. <laughs>
1: no, she really? It must be an era thing. I'm not, anyway, my mom stood on one foot, pirouetted, and kicked me in the butt with oh her my other goodness. foot in milliseconds. I was so humiliated, embarrassed, and angry. I get her into her room, which is like right there. And I said, Mom, why did, why did you do that? There's this huge, long pause before she said, do what? <laughs> I said, you kicked me. Another huge long pause. I did? I said, yes. Why? Another pause. And then finally she said, I don't know. And I just remember thinking, no truer words were ever spoken. That is very that true. Millisecond of time. Her world is flip flopping, a piece of the puzzle, one going in, 10 coming out. It just never is the same. Never.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. So one last thing, one of the reasons that I prefer to take mom out besides the fact that I think it's good for her. It is. Uh, especially if we can go, th- you know, we have two regional parks within 10 minute drive of where she lives. One has more water. One is more hiking. But they're like the path we were on on Monday, two Mondays ago was fairly flat. Although it didn't look flat to her with those dang shadows. Oh my God, This
1: interesting
0: and I do a video of it because I try to take I realized after my dad died my my dad was in the hospital from November 29th to December 28th uh 2017 and he was always instrumental in making sure the two of them and their dog got a Christmas portrait every year for their Christmas card uh-huh. And that was the first year. I mean, that was the, we didn't do it that year. And it hasn't happened since because obviously my mom is not sending out Christmas cards. <laughs> so after mom is acclimated, so it's summertime late, late spring, early summer. And I realize, you know, if I don't take pictures of mom, she's visually going to disappear from her, our family history. At the same time, dad disappeared. And that's not right you know, she could be around for another 10, 15 years. So God forbid. <laughs> um, so I do try to take pictures and I do little videos. And at first, after I started doing the podcast, I did not use her to promote the podcast, but now I do. And, and I try to be very sensitive about it. Her stepping around the shadows and I mean, she looks confused and you know, she had a great time. If she was not having a good time, I would never put that video any place. You know, and I did take a picture of her and I sent it, I showed my husband. He's like, Oh my gosh, that's so nice. Send that to me. So I did. And then I thought when he asked for it, I thought, Oh, I should send this to my sister. And I did. And my sister was thrilled. So mom still smiles. She, and she makes jokes sort of, they're, they're kind of weird jokes, but more like inside jokes. But she still has that little bit of sense of humor, which is nice. Little edge. One of the reasons that I take her out is because if we sit around the residence or in her room, she asks, so what have you been up to today? And I will answer. And I usually, Mondays, I go to the gym. And then I come home and I shower and I dress. And I go to Rotary. And then I go see her. So I will tell her, well, I went to the gym and did blah, blah, blah. And then when she asked me literally a minute later, I'll tell her, oh, I went to Rotary, which is something my dad did for 45 years. And then she asked me again, I'll say, well, I went to the gym. And then I went to Rotary and now I'm here with you. And so I try to break, but after 20 minutes, I can't, cannot do that. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I start yawning and it's like, you know, or, I'll, or she'll ask, well, what's your family up to? And I'll say, well, which part of the family? Cause remember Laura moved out last year. Actually, my daughter moved out in 2017, so (laughs) even time flies. And then she gets confused.
1: Yeah, it's way too much information.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I'm pretty sure she doesn't... She cannot connect me to the current relationship. I mean, I guess I'd have to go back and talk about what my daughter was doing 10 years ago, which she graduated from high school 10 years ago, which is also hard to imagine. So there's no in-depth I mean we don't ever get beyond question I give answers she asked me the same question I mean it's I can't ask her oh well I went to the gym what'd you do this morning because she doesn't remember Mm -hmm. so do you if if their forgetfulness is also losing language is there a a, an idea of a way to uh, insert something other than the same question every two minutes
1: right so I called it question recycling, mm-hmm. and my mother did it too. It's very, very common. And let me back up just for a snidger neurology. This the the hippocampus in the brain is unable to absorb new information. This is the thing about people with Alzheimer's cannot learn something new. The moment she asks you a question, which is probably um recited from her past, it's like hi, how are you? Mm -hmm. That is not considered real language. That is rote. Is not considered part of genuine reciprocal communication. But your response, no matter what it is, she cannot absorb. So the main issue is that it isn't so much that she can't remember the information, although that's a big piece, is also she can't remember asking the question and so she asks it over and over again because this is the cycle she's stuck in. So, break it. Your idea of going to the park, as long as she's uh, not exhibiting anxiety in some way, is absolutely amazing. Yeah, she loves the park. What you can also do is, so, she says, so, how was your? What would you do today? Or something like that. Yeah,
0: it's, it's usually... What have you been up to or what's your family been up to? It's all, I, I called it, you know, basically that polite language you use with any
1: stranger. Which is not language. It's just rote. It's just part, part. It's like shaking your, putting your hand out. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi. It's just, it's almost meaningless. So try bringing something to spark a conversation. Bring a picture of your daughter, a dog, Uh, something she liked to do. I mean, I don't know what it is. Or bring in the actual object, like if rotary phones or things like this. And divert, take control back and divert the conversation. So let me just pick an example. The rotary phone. Let's pick, let's say you have one still. Haha, good luck with that. Can't say, might be hard to find. (laughs) Yeah, you go to the Smithsonian and borrow a rotary phone i don't know i'm just doing the best i can Or for an example you come in with it she says uh, so how was your day what would you do today something like that whatever it is and don't answer just get out this phone and say mom tell me about this so take a little bit of control so that you're not stuck in this loop that drives me you and everybody else listening literally bonkers. Um, everyone's going to have to play around with what might work. For a long time, I could deflect my mother's recycling by asking her about her mother. And mm-hmm. so if I said, tell me about your mom, tell me about grandma Oberly," because my, my grandmother died when I was six. So there was a time even when my mother was doing this recycling stuff that was pointless, that asking her that would make her smile. And she, I learned things that I believe are true, but I never knew about them um, because she was so far back in time that that triggered what I suspect is legitimate factual information. So that is one idea or take something tangible like mother used to cross stitch, but of course that was gone. But what she could do still is find all of the threads that matched this green one and hold it in your hand. The word itself won't have meaning, but the color still will. So I guess what I'm suggesting is that is controlling the narrative to get out of that recycling loop before we all load a gun and, you know, (laughs) Because I get it. It's just so frustrating. And just remember, nothing is going to have, it's not going to be absorbed. So let's already accept that and find something else. Um, hold a, Tell me about your new shoes. Tell me about the shoes. I mean, I, I, I'm just throwing out ideas to get people to think about what's important to them. Photo albums, things from their past, colors two-piece puzzle not likely to go well but you can try um that that kind of direction especially family photo albums can be helpful
0: yeah which I've heard and we did in the past Mm -hmm. Uh, she's at the point now where I brought and this has been about 14 or 15 months ago I took a scrapbook my sister had made of photos of the two of us as children and I'm blonde, fair skin, sunburn, just going from the door to the car. (laughs) My sister's dark hair, dark eyes, and olive skin and tans going from the door to the car. Right. So people that have met, if they meet us together for the first time, they don't realize we're related. If we tell you, then you'll notice it because we do have similar facial structure. She Mm -hmm. also was never 100 pounds overweight. So there's just a lot of physical differences between the two of us. The biggest difference is I've always been blonde. She's always been brunette. That's not ever changed. My mom couldn't distinguish between which kid was which,
1: even though I'm. But certain- you, you asked her, right? Well, she- I'm saying you don't ask. You say, "Mom, this is a picture of what's your sister's name?" Jeanette. Jeanette. This is a picture of Jeanette and Jennifer. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, I know. Oh yes, we yeah. were always
0: Jeanettefer, which always drove me nuts because <laughs> I'm the oldest.
1: Yeah. So it's like, in why a, does
0: her name come first in this mashup of names?
1: <laughs> and we're back to that open book test. So you tell your mom, this is a picture of Jeanette when she was five. Maybe, I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe Jeanette's holding a uh, picnic basket. Maybe there's a bucket. Maybe there's a lake in the background. See if you can focus in on that and get a little bit of exchange going. It's less about asking your mother, who's this? What's that? What's going on here? As much as it is, here's a picture of Jeanette. She has a bucket. We must have gone to Lake Michigan and played in the sand. And see what happens. Make it short but informative. Offer her some verbal tools to work with. You know, there's no panacea. There's no perfect approach. There's no one size fits all. It's all about coming up with some lower keyed, lower expectation um, exchanges. As much as we don't want to admit this, we have to remember that now that mom of ours is a child. And you wouldn't expect a child to be able to identify every single thing that's gone on in that adult person's life. Except that, every now and then, adult comes through. So you always have this fluid, fluidity of what to expect. And it can change in a couple of minutes. It can change from day to day. Um, If something's going on that's really negative, like My mom would get very hostile, like the thing of hitting me in the butt. But within, what, 10, 15 seconds, it was over. So um, their reality is anything but factually real to us. But it's their reality at that moment.
0: Well, it's supposed to rain this coming Monday. So maybe I'll take the same scrapbook back and see if I can do what you're suggesting, I do feel like she's, she's declined a lot in the last six months, which was brought home when, when I asked my sister, does mom remember you? Don't exactly remember how I worded it, but, Mm -hmm. and she said, yeah, until about the last two weeks. And it was like, Oh, this is interesting. So definitely things have happened because Mm -hmm. we used to be able to have a little bit more normal conversation. It was still very rote. Mm-hmm. but and it was and she'd get in the loop because she didn't absorb the answers or remember the question right but now it's just it's it's literally like just the stranger you bump into at the grocery store and it's like oh hi you know hey what's your favorite you know how are you doing today I mean you'd ask that mm-hmm. about anybody you know unless they were Which is why
1: it's not reciprocal it's not real language no oh, that's just, I never I never translated it that way right. so that's it's not real language it goes they're not really asking you how your day is it's, well, just, yeah. it's just a phrase. Well, it's it always phrase. feels it's like real. I know. Yeah, it's like a way mm-hmm. to be polite. I yes, always exactly when I'm with
0: her and we're quote stuck in the memory residence. Mm-hmm. She it seems like the the feeling that I get is that she has this need to to be the polite hostess. Mm-hmm. She Could knows be. I'm somebody important. Mm-hmm. I I'm mean, her friend or her sister. Fine. That doesn't I mean it does kind of tweak me that she thinks I might She eat. was
1: in the customer service business for millenniums. Well at she least met, that's I mean true. that was she she engaged with the public. This is part of what's familiar to her. Um, I thought of a couple of things. Uh so my mom loved massages. So if I could rub her shoulders or put lotion on her legs or her hands I mean, she was in heaven and that's not going to work for everybody but that is one possibility the other is is there any kind of um uh, i had the thought now it's gone um <laughs> shocks is there any kind of music my mother was deaf so music didn't work
0: Yeah, music doesn't. The only thing that works with my mom, and it worked less well this past Christmas than it did the year prior, is Christmas carols. Mm -hmm. And I've had people say, well, I'd sing my mom Christmas carols all day long if that's what made her happy. Well, first off, my mom and I can't carry a tune if you give us a handle. So we're not singers. She enjoyed, I take her to our Rotary Clubs Christmas luncheon because the local high school has this beautiful choir and they come sing christmas carols and it's beautiful it's a cappella and four-part mm-hmm. harmony or whatever i mean it's just beautiful and why wouldn't you take somebody to see that so she enjoyed that 2018 she was mouthing the words which that one was lunch 29 or 28 wait a second we're in 19 so 2017 she was quote-unquote singing along all those silently because I'm sure that she still remembers that she can't carry a tune this year it was at dinner time so obviously not as good a time of day as as noon and she enjoyed it but it to me watching her it wasn't as great an enjoyment it was as it was the year prior and I don't know if it was just the time of day or just wherever she was at or is because she's declining or all of the above. That's
1: right. All of the above.
0: But I don't, I'm, well, I could try playing Christmas tunes every so often, but I took her to the nail place. I think it was right before Thanksgiving.
1: That's what I was wondering. And they were playing
0: Christmas tunes. They were Christmas tunes, but in Korean, I think it was. (laughs) If you want to talk about the most horrific earworm. (laughs) Oh. Christmas tune. That you don't, I mean, I knew the words, but I didn't know those words. It was
1: like, yeah, <laughs> I think the only one worse would be German. Cause it's such a guttural language. Yeah. So it's I mean, gotta it sound pretty harsh to the ears.
0: Yeah. It was just weird. And it, and it was a little premature in my opinion. My birthday is in November. So if you start playing Christmas carols before Thanksgiving, you're encroaching on my birthday and that's not cool. You got to wait till after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm, with you. Um, oh, I'm with you. So uh, all of the traditional techniques have not, mm-hmm worked like this I took the wet her wedding album she recognized her and my dad the parents but not her siblings and way not the cousins
1: and and this is this is what's the hardest part for you and everybody in your shoes right now to accept is that what you could get from before you are not going to get tomorrow Mm -hmm. you bring some things with you you can try you might get one picture. It might be a total bust. And, and, and we're dealing with a neurological disease that is fatal with no hope of changing the outcome. My suggestion is that as a caregiver and a family member, we, we go to visit, so that it's not 20 minutes of question recycling that drives us insane, <laughs> is try anything else to to deflect recreate you're not going to bring them back you're trying to make your visit peaceful peaceful Um, is a good word peaceful and and positive Uh, some days will be a success and some not i've tried it's
0: hard it is i've tried little things like I think it's been a little bit more than a year, so maybe 13 months. I took gardens, you know, vegetable seeds and all the stuff to plant them to to start the seedlings. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's simple. Uh, It wasn't simple enough. But what was interesting is I was putting the seedlings in an egg carton, Mm -hmm. you know, the cardboard kind. And it was, I was trying to figure out how many seeds could go in and, and it was five holes one direction and six, the other. And I know what five times six is. So I just threw it out there. I'm like, um, pretended I couldn't, you rem- know, like, ah, what's, what's five times six. And my mom's like, huh? And this other gal who doesn't actually speak said 30 almost fell over because this other gal mumbles, and sometimes she's Irish, so she mumbles in. It's not Gaelic, Celtic, whatever the Irish yeah, language. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Occasionally you'll get an English word and you hang on that word and try to answer her question based 30. on. 30, like, that was what? clear in English. Oh, yes. that was cr- And not only did she, kn- it was precisely clear, she did the math in her head. Like, wait a minute.
1: <laughs> there's that millisecond of lucidity that's there and gone.
0: You know, and I and don't know. And
1: it's just baffling.
0: And it was just, it was just funny because she's just roaming around in the courtyard and I'm just kind of like not playing with my mom's memory, but kind of poking a little bit to kind of see where where she's at. And I knew she wasn't going to be able to answer that question. But when the other gal did, I almost fainted. It was hysterical. But I get the, why are we doing this? What am I doing now? And she's always concerned about doing it wrong. Like we had, I did a really simple art project And I kept telling her, you can't do it wrong. Just do it. And I really want to bring like acrylic paints and some canvases and just do, it's like a, almost a mindful exercise where you just put paint on the canvas and you close your eyes and you just feel it. And just. (sighs) You might
1: not be there anymore.
0: No, I don't think she is, which is probably why I haven't done it. I was so grateful that, you know, two and a half. uh, Yeah. A week and a half ago, it was beautiful. It was like 75, 76 degrees, and that's when we went for a walk in the park. It was like, I don't care what we're doing, we're going out. And then this, like I said, this week was not beautiful, so we had to go to the library. And I don't know that next year we'll be able to go walk in the park. So we'll exactly. definitely be doing that as much as we can. So Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. Then she, and she doesn't repeat questions as often when we're out in nature. Of course, because there's something else. Well, there's other things to look at and she's concentrating not to trip over the shower shadows. Funny. <laughs> it's crazy. That's funny.
1: <laughs> but this and that's is, even interesting is that she perceives that something is amiss in that shadow and cautious about. Yes, yeah,
0: Somebody I was just talking to said, it must've been one of the caregivers where she lives that their dad had picked out this lounge, this recliner and it was black and they thought it was ugly. And, Closer to the end of his life, he would not sit in this black chair because he perceived it as a big hole. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's just crazy fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think my mom was seeing the shadows as sticks or
1: holes or she didn't... Well, something in, in un, It was something disturbing, something that she couldn't reckon with. Yeah, it's like the path didn't look flat to her. Right. There that, are... Um, Sometimes in Alzheimer's progression, seeing your own face in the mirror is very disconcerting. It does not affect everyone that way, but it can. So should that happen, where your mother catches her own image in the mirror and wonders who that is, looking back at her, be prepared. Or anybody else listening. So.
0: When well, we were letting our hair color grow out, because it just seemed ridiculous to keep having it colored... And they were coloring it way too dark and it just didn't look great. And I'm like, she she can't shower by herself. Mm-hmm. She needs assistance with showering. She doesn't always comb her hair. I'm like, why are we spending this money for this lady who sure. is past the point where, she, I mean, she cares about how she looks, but I don't mm-hmm. think she, it's not all there. Right. And so it's almost all whitish gray. And she looks a lot more like her sister now, which is hysterical since she thinks I'm her sister. But at <laughs> some point- I'm, I figured she's going to look in the mirror and wonder like who the heck is that? So I was expecting it. I've been expecting it as the color grew out. So I'll watch for that because mm. that'll be very interesting. So I'm assuming you can get the book. I will never forget yes. by yes. Elaine Pereira. I'll link it on the show notes, but you can get it on Amazon. Absolutely.
1: Yep. And hopefully local bookstores if people like to do that still. They're Av- available uh, at most libraries I'm told. Um, most of the whole library system can get it if you prefer not to make a purchase and you want to uh, uh, borrow it that's fine and Amazon not all of the bookstores mostly available online that way and if you do read it I am going to take my pitch and ask for a review on Amazon not to elevate my book about others that are on the topics of autism or dementia or um, neurology but so that we can uh, make sure the hard topics are covered and not just 50 shades of something. Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of why that would be really great. And I would love to hear from anybody. My, I think you'll have my email address on I here. can
0: put that in the show notes. That would
1: be great. Yeah. Okay. Pretty easy. Yep. Elaine P at I will never forget com.
0: Oh, you're like me, giant, long website address. (laughs) Yes, yes, but it made sense. It made a lot of sense, so. When I went to buy FadingMemories.com, I dang near had a stroke because it was $35,000. Oh, yeah, I had to
1: add the book.
0: Well, I did not know that Fading Memories was a book, a movie, and a band. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, but I've even looked, tried to find these other entities but so yeah so it's fadingmemoriespodcast.com
1: yes so you know
0: and my photography
1: debt was gone Eh, and I don't remember the price tag if it it was just not happening but no I I could
0: have bought it for $35,000 and change I was like when I looked at it I thought am I missing the decimal point let me look (laughs) seriously that does not say $35,000 and change And so I went back to it a couple of days later. I'm like, it really does say, and then I think it went up like to 36 or something. It went up a little bit. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not happening. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and I if someone listening, um, you know, would like a presentation. I, I do t- community and professional presentations. I do charge because of the travel costs and stuff, but I do travel all over.
0: Well, you're in North Carolina, right? No, I'm in Michigan. Michigan. Okay, that's why right, you were talking about Michigan. I started getting people all confused. Well, I'm oh. in California, so, but I've talked to people um, from yep. the Caribbean, the East Coast, to um, I think the closest person I talked to is in close to Sacramento, California, which is about 90 minutes from where I'm at. So I get them from all over. It's been fun. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it It's been in Louisville in June, and we're still working on the details, but.
0: Anyway. Alrighty. Well, I appreciate it. And I definitely, I, it's been an eye opener on the language and it always helps. I've learned, I've been doing this podcast. My anniversary episode will come out April 30th. And I think this one will come out afterwards. So when people hear this, I will have officially been podcasting for a year. And I've learned so much. Oh, yeah. And I thought, too. You know, I've been on this journey a long time with my mom. I thought I, I knew a lot. I did know a lot, but I've learned a lot more. So I'm excited. And I've started speaking as well. I have a speaking gig planned in June, which seems like a long ways away, but it's not. No. And today's kind of an exciting day. Today's actually March 28th, 2019. And today is my dad's mom, my nana's 101st birthday. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So there's some longevity in our family. I guess. And her mind is great. So I hope I take after my, I do. Yes. I did get the fat gene from my dad. So better get the good longevity brain gene from him too. Totally agree. So that's, you know, I've, I called and left her a message. She was, I think she's on the phone. I'm waiting for my husband to get home so we can call her again. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, she's just, I can't believe 101. So June will be quick coming around the corner before we know it it will and it'll be warm so thank you again this has been a fantastic conversation Oh, i
1: so appreciate the opportunity thank you for having me. you're
0: welcome and i'll let you know what exact date this is coming out all right great all right have a good evening you too thanks bye-bye thanks for tuning in to fading memories and as always i'll be in your ears again next tuesday coming up in just a sec is a promo from another podcast that you might find helpful. It's called Ang Zenity. And it's about a gentleman who's been through all types of mental health struggles, and how he managed to come out the other side. And it's a way for you to find ways that you can do better with your mental state. And I know caregivers need that. So I hope you enjoy. And if you like it, give it a listen.
1: Do you or someone you know struggle through life with anxiety-related mental disorders? Ever get that feeling that you are one of the few? I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. Take a journey with me as I talk about key points in my past and how they may have led to me being diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder, after which we will talk about different ways to tone down the anxiety and maybe even beat it together on anxiety. The easiest way to remember the name is by thinking about how one searches for a state of Zen in the midst of the anxieties of life.
0: My name is Gerald, and I'm the host of Anxenity.